0: little change to our uh, kids' tables this morning. We start going from pre-K four through third grade this morning. Fourth and fifth graders, uh, if we have any, in the foyer there's a clipboard with activity sheets and uh, listening guides. That's the word I'm supposed to use. I was getting there. Um, If you would like to get those, they are out there right next to the counter where the sink is. Uh, so is that everything, Amy? Did I cover it all? Probably so. Okay. The, yeah, and the tables are set up a little different, so you might have a different spot to go to if you're heading that direction. The rest of you turn to First Kings in your Bible. I don't know where else you would have a First Kings other than your Bible, but if you do, don't use that book. Use your Bible. 1 Kings chapter 3 is what we're looking at this morning. Uh, Some celebrations this week. We got to host a giant cow team, the giant cow team. Giant cow is the children's ministry that we learned about because they do uh, the the children's activities at the Southern Baptist Convention. But that's where Jaden is this summer. He's traveling literally from coast to coast nearly, uh, with Giant Cow. Um, they were in North Carolina, then they stopped here on their way to Texas. That They're at probably wrapping up or done now. They'll be tra- traveling to California, a couple of events in L.A., in the L.A. area. Uh, then they'll be going back to, to Texas to do some mission work, some building work there, and then they're heading to Orlando, and, and I think that's toward the end of the summer, and there may be some other spots. So, I mean, zoop, zoop. So, that, they got to stay with us this week. Uh, as you know, Anna and Clara have arrived, our Leader treks team leaders, and we're excited to have them for the next nine or ten weeks as they lead the groups that are coming in from all over the country all the way up to Alaska. And we are about, last I knew, we're about halfway to our goal uh, to, to help our, our summer missionaries. Is that about right? We're somewhere around $1,500. Last I, I heard, that was as of like Thursday. So uh, if you'd like to give to that, you can give all summer. I had somebody ask me, uh, can we still give to that? Yeah, you can do that all summer because a lot of that money won't go anywhere until the end of the summer. So you can still give to that uh, if you would like. Uh, this morning we are in First Kings, but I told you we were going to one more time, go over our Thessalonians memory verse. And Lord Jesus Christ, the Father, has loved us. All right. Let's try it. May the Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal encouragement and good hope by grace, encourage your hearts. And strengthen you in every good work and word. Not bad. Second Thessalonians two sixteen and seventeen. All right, not not horrible. We're gonna be doing. Uh, uh, I think is a what is a really neat thing. Uh, as we move from one memory verse to the next, we're gonna take the poster that's in the foyer, and we're gonna be moving it to the hallway. Uh, between the, the the foyer and the fellowship hall, so as we move from one to the next, the the old poster will go in there. So we're going to have a hallway of memory verses, so that you can, as you're walking down the hall, I ah, remember that one and just kind of, you know, refresh. You don't, as, as I have talked about with other people, remembering word for word is good, but remembering the passage and what it means is. Maybe even better than the word for word, but Scripture says, "Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you." So let's, you know, we're working on remembering it all. Our new verse in First Kings—it's First Kings eight twenty-three—and as Amy said, we're we're doing the one verse for the whole quarter for both books of Kings, First and Second Kings. This is our verse for First and Second Kings. Lord God of Israel, there is no god like you in heaven above or on earth below who keeps the gracious covenant with your servants who walk before you with all their heart first kings 8 23 there's a lot there that i believe can speak to us as we hide this word in our heart particularly the part where we as servants walk before god with all of our heart and he he then keeps his promise to us you have your uh memory cards there's some up here as well they're at the Connection Center and in the uh, magazine rack or whatever it is that's hanging next to that. This week, we are starting in 1 Kings 3, verses 4 through 15, uh, where Solomon gets his wisdom. The right request is the title of this week's sermon. And that's It's what we are uh, it's what we're looking at. Now, at this point in, in the, the, the book, you've, you've read hopefully this week. You've read 1st uh, chapter 1, 2, 3, 4. Did we go all the way through 5? I'm having trouble remembering now. But we've we, we kind of led up to this point. What you might remember about 1st and 2nd Kings is that it is a mixed bag of both incredible righteousness. And unimaginable sinfulness. Uh, that's on the next slide, Pat. Uh, it, it, and, and Solomon actually has already shown us in chapters one and two glimpses of both. He is—he's been seeking revenge that we can discuss whether or not he should have. He is um, already uh, made a political marriage with none other than Egypt, which has never been a friend, uh, certainly not to that point in time, a friend of Israel. Uh, it was, he's, he's just, Solomon's all over the place. And, and, and he's going to be all over the place for the rest of his time as king. And every king that comes after him, is going to be all over the place. We we have the the good kings like Josiah who who reinstated worship the way it was supposed to be done all the way to bad kings like Manasseh who ended up sacrificing I believe it was Manasseh his own child. So and and everything in between. The truth is when we read 1st and 2nd Kings we're we're reading the story of our lives now we are not kings and maybe we've not done some of the things that they have done but we know that none of us are immune to sinfulness none of us get it right all the time some of us sometimes get it right er than others and some of us sometimes might get it wrong er than others but we're always all over the place and that's what we see in kings over and over we read and this king did what was evil in the sight of the Lord the one constant in kings in first and second kings the one king that is always constant is the king of heaven through it all god is righteous and that's the message of kings the the message that god is always right and that earthly kings will fail the good ones the great ones will never be good enough until god puts on the throne that one king who will reign forever reigns perfect perfectly and in perfection king jesus so that's what the old testament points to that's what we anticipate with the old testament but what do we walk away from as we read these narratives, and that's uh, something we need to understand as we get into it? We have gone from Paul's letters of, "Dear church, I encourage you in this way. You're doing great this way. Let me cover some things you need to get, to you need to work on." Love, Paul. Two so-and-so did this, and he was walking down the road, and this happened, and when he did that, then something else happened, and somebody else showed up, and they did, ooh, it was bad, and then God did something, and hey, it was good, and so-and-so, and then we start over with somebody else, totally different genre of scripture, it, it, it is, now we've got to approach it in a different way, it is, it is stories, they they're true stories, there are stories with purpose, but we approach narrative differently than we approach these letters. So, it's going to feel different now for the next three months uh, than normal, or than it has at least with Paul's letters. And then we're going to be looking at, I think Etta told me, the minor prophets, four of the minor prophets, Amos and a, a few others. Well, that's going to be a totally different feel too. That's That's more of the do this, don't do this, but the prophets got angrier than Paul did. So... We're going to cover all the genres this year. but What about kings? What about Solomon? Well, let's let's see what Scripture says about Solomon. Chapter 3, verses 4 through 15. The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there because it was the most famous high place. He offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream. At night, God said, ask, what should I give you? And Solomon replied, You have shown great and faithful love to your servant, my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness, righteousness, and integrity. You have continued this great and faithful love for him by giving him a son to sit on his throne, as it is today. Lord my God, you have now made your servant king in my father David's place, yet I am just a youth with no experience in leadership. So give your servant, uh, rather your servant is among your people, you have chosen a people too many to be numbered or counted. So give your servant a receptive heart to judge your people and to discern between good and evil for who is able to judge this great people of yours. Now it pleased the Lord that Solomon had requested this. So God said to him, because you requested this and did not ask for long life or riches for yourself or the death of your enemies, but you asked discernment for yourself to administer justice, I will therefore do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and understanding heart so that there has never been anyone like you before and never will be again. In addition, I will give you what you did not ask for. Both riches and honor, so that no king will be your equal during your entire life. If you walk in my ways and keep my statutes and commands, just as your father did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon woke up and realized it, was, it had been a dream. He went to Jerusalem, stood before the ark of the Lord's covenant, and offered burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then he held a feast for all his servants, so one of the things we do when we preach narrative is we just well we just go through the narrative. What's happening in this passage? Of course, we just with as with any scripture, we want to put ourselves in the position of those to whom the, the, the scripture was originally written. the The author here, the editor, the compiler of the stories, however, who however whoever did it, has an an audience that is intended. And so we need to go back to when, oh, 1,000 years before Jesus or 800 years before Jesus, whenever this was written, and, and think of it that way. We, we certainly look back as believers through Jesus, but they, remember, were looking forward to their Messiah. So that's how we approach the passage as we come to it. So, what do we see here? Well, in, verses, in verse 4, we see that Solomon worships. He goes to a place called Gibeon, and that's because David had put the altar that had traveled in the tabernacle there at Gibeon. He put the ark in Jerusalem and put the, uh, the altar in, in Gibeon, about seven miles away from Jerusalem. And Solomon goes there to, to sacrifice, it was the most famous high place. Here, we're, we're already getting into sort of that, uh, that wishy-washy, mm, is this good, is this not good? It's acceptable now that, that Solomon is going to this high place, but over and over throughout Kings... They are told to tear down the high places. As a matter of fact, Joshua was told to uh, t- uh, tear them down. Israel was told, when you move into the Promised Land, tear down their, their high places. Tear down their Asherah poles. All the ways that they worship their pagan gods, get rid of. Solomon's going to this high place. Right now, it's okay, but it's going to get to where Solomon doesn't think it matters where he goes. He's going to marry a whole bunch of folks, a whole bunch of women, let's be clear, a whole bunch of women, and they're going to worship all these other gods, and they're going to basically tell him, eh, any old high place will do. And he's going to believe that and and live that. So already we get this foreshadowing of Solomon not being the wisest. Well, he hadn't been given the wisdom yet. Isn't it interesting, though, <laughs> that even once he's given the wisdom, he doesn't always use it? Anybody relate? Does anybody have a gift from the God, from God that, that, that you know is this is what you've been told to do? This is something you're supposed to have and, and, and use for the Lord? And, well, sometimes you just don't. Eh, I, nobody will admit it out loud. I get it. But I think we're all there, at least have been there. But Solomon worships. And I think that's important that, that we see that the beginning of this gift from the Lord, this, this opportunity for, uh, for Solomon to, to, to experience something from God, begins with worship. I, I think we can make a, an application here. If, if you are expecting God to work in your life if you're expecting to hear from the Lord, if, if you're praying for something right now, but your life does not include regular worship, what makes you think God's going to give that to you? You don't give him what he requires, what you should want to give him. Why should he then give you this thing you're asking him for? If you're wanting to serve the Lord, if you're wanting the Lord to bless you and to hear you and answer your prayers, start with worship and see what God says after that. Verse 5, we see that God makes this offer. Now, did, did Solomon go expecting God to give him something? I don't, I don't think he did. I think he was going to Gibeon simply to worship. And when he gets there and goes to sleep... God shows up and he says, What should I give you? Ask Solomon, name it Solomon, what should I give you? That is a completely open ended uh, offer. What do you want? Do I have a list? You know? God shows up, and, 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 and I'll, go, I'll get three wishes, I'll only get one. So it's not that kind of genie. God says, ask, and you'll get it. Well, Solomon's already proven himself to be a pretty smart cat. He, he, he could have asked for anything. I think he was smart enough to see that while this offer was completely open-ended, it was not just an offer, it was also a test. God is saying, yeah, Solomon, I will give you anything you want. But how are you going to answer that? How are you going to respond to me telling you, me, the creator of the universe, me, who, who, can, who can do anything you ask, we find out later uh, in Ephesians, beyond anything we could ask or imagine, how, Solomon, are you going to respond when you can have anything you want from me? Hmm? Hmm? How are you going to do it, Solomon? And, and we're going to see here what, what he could have chosen, We're going to see what he did choose. But what would you ask for? The Lord says, I'll give you anything you want. What would it be? Well, we're going to get to that toward the end. But keep that bumping around in your mind. So Solomon worships, God offers... Then Solomon requests, verses 6 through 9. He, we see what Solomon says he wants. Solomon replied with worship. Tells God, You, you have taken care of me. You have been, uh, or, or, or David, uh, you've shown faithful love to him. He walked before you in faithfulness, righteousness, and integrity. Did David always do that? The answer is no. You've continued this great and faithful love for him by giving him a son to sit on his throne as it is today. You've made your servant king in my father's David's place. He says, But I'm just a youth, no experience in leadership. Well, first thing Solomon does is acknowledge God's sovereignty. He tells God, you've been in charge of David, you're in charge of me. So he's recognizing immediately this offer isn't just an offer. Maybe he's not thinking test in particular, but he is thinking you could you, you you've done all this you you gave david what he needed you 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 chose me and put me in this position you could god have just looked around and said mm, solomon needs this boom psh, and he got it solomon recognizes that but instead or not instead so he says in effect lord you've got all this under control You know what I need most. God didn't really have to ask. So Solomon then acknowledges where he knows he fails, or where he could fail. He says, I'm just a youth with no experience in leadership. Youth, the the word does mean young person. He was probably actually 40 so, I love that the Bible calls 40 year olds young people. What he's saying, though, is I've never been the king. He's never had the responsibility of the king. He was not the firstborn, so he wasn't groomed to be the king. We we see, if you've read 1st, 2nd, and uh, I mean, uh, chapters 1 and 2, we see. Uh, Adonijah expecting to be the next king he was the one who would have been in line for it but we know that God has said Solomon will be the king we know that God has often chosen not the firstborn but the the next one or the next one or the next one the one that shouldn't be the one the same way David was chosen among Jesse's children not nearly the oldest and he says I'm 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 not I'm not a king. I've never had the opportunity. Again, let's let's look at Solomon's both uh, intense and and accurate introspection as he looks within himself and says, "I've never been a leader. I have no experience of this." He recognizes, I'm not, this is where I'm going to fail. And then so often as we read his story, he was completely blind to some of his other failings. Some of the other places he could be tripped up. There's a lesson for us all there as well, right? There there are things that every one of you know, man, I cannot put myself in this position because if I get in that position, I am not going to handle it well. And yet there are other places where we don't handle it well, that we just, ah, la, 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 yeah, well, this is fine, no, nothing wrong here, I'll be, ah, and when we're in the middle of sin, and we, it's our own fault, but we just, we're blind to the fact, apparently, that that's a place of entrapment for us. He acknowledges God's sovereignty, he acknowledges his own failings, and then he says, So give your servant a receptive heart to judge your people and to to discern between good and evil. For who is able to to judge this great people of yours? A receptive heart is an obedient heart. He's literally asking for a heart that hears. In the Old Testament, when we hear God, it is expected... It is just an immediate result that we would obey God. To hear is to obey. Listen, Israel. Listen to my voice, God would say. Why? Because they needed to hear it, and therefore they would obey it. You did not listen to me. How do we know you didn't obey? Listening, hearing, equals obedience. What? Solomon is asking for is that when the time comes to lead, when the time comes to judge, when the time comes to know good and evil and what he should do and how he should lead, what he is asking for is that he will hear God and be obedient to God. Now we talk about Solomon's wisdom. That's what we reference this as, what we should be talking about is Solomon's obedience, the wisdom to obey. He asks for this, and if you read on in uh, chapter 3, verses 16 and following, you read the, the sort of the penultimate story of Solomon's wisdom, how he was able to judge in a very difficult situation between two people when he had no evidence as to who was actually telling the truth. And he was able to do that because in verses 10 through 14, God answered. God gave him the ability to discern. God gave him the wisdom that he asked for. And he begins saying, now it pleased the Lord that Solomon had requested this. Oh, that more of my responses came with a narrator's voice above me saying, and it pleased the Lord that Michael, fill in the blank. I'm afraid my narrator more often than not says, boy, God's just shaking his head at you. Michael did not do what the Lord would have preferred. Michael did not obey. I got it, narrator. You know? In this case, it pleased God. God is pleased when we ask for the right things. And that should be simple, right? That, that should be a, a, a duh moment. And yet, we, we, we have the idea sometimes that I can't ask God for something. Well, if we're asking for the right things, I believe there are some Bible verses that, that go with this idea. We can jump to the New Testament when it sa- where uh, Jesus says, if, if, What father among you that if his uh, son asked for bread, would, he would give him a stone? Or, or if the son asked for a fish, he would give him a, a snake? So, even more so, when you ask your father in heaven... For good things, he will will give them to you. Old Testament, if if we focus on the Lord, he will give us the desires of our heart. How can we know that if we focus on him, he will give us the desires of our heart? Because our desires will be his desires if we're focused on him. You see how, how that works? The Lord... God is pleased when we ask for the right things. How do we know what the right things are to ask for? Well, we spend time with God. Your, your, your children, if you've had any, know, and you know by the way they ask the question. They know when they are asking for things that, that you want to give them versus things that you aren't going to give them. Daddy, can we have can we eat lunch now? Sure, it's lunch time. Let's eat lunch. versus Daddy, can we go to Chuck E Cheese for lunch? You know why they ask it that way? Because the answer to Chuck E Cheese is always no. Because we don't need to go to a germ factory for lunch. To eat mediocre or worse pizza. You know, it's just. Sorry if you're a big fan of Chuck E. Cheese, maybe the founder or an employee or something, I apologize. Not my favorite. But we know the we we know when we ask the question whether or not we're asking for something that's in God's will or not in God's will. Right? God is pleased when we ask according to his will. And he hears uh, Solomon's request, and he is pleased because God knows that wisdom is always available. God is always willing to make us wiser. That's just discipleship. That's just us spending time in his word. It, it's what the Holy Spirit will lead us to if we spend time in God's Word. It lead us into all truth, wisdom. It's always available, and, and God is pleased because. And He even explains it to Him. He He kind of lays it out in verses eleven, uh, uh, in verse eleven, He said, "You could have requested long life or riches for yourself or." the death of your enemies. Now, now, God is not saying that those requests were equal to wisdom. He's also not saying that those requests were acceptable by any means. All he's saying is, you know what, Solomon, you could have asked for some okay things or some extremely stupid things. You could have asked for a long life. You could have asked for uh, riches You could have asked me to kill all your enemies. Not saying he would have done it. But that could have been a request. And God says, but you didn't. You asked for wisdom. Because wisdom is always available. It says, therefore, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and understanding heart. So that there's never been anyone like you before... And never will be again. And I'll even give you what you did not ask for. Riches and honor. You hear the thing he left out? He ain't killing enemies for him. That super selfish. Selfish enough to be rich and live a long time. But the super selfish of kill all my enemies for me. No, you're not getting that, Solomon. That's not something to be. But wisdom? Yeah, I'll give, you, I'll give you the long life and riches. But, verse 14, there's a requirement of faithfulness. If you walk in my ways and keep my statutes and commands just as your father did, I will give you a long life. Requirement of faithfulness. Let's go back just a little bit. When he asks for a receptive heart. When he asks for a heart that hears, and he is asking for God to speak to him and give him the wisdom when necessary so that he can make the decisions of good and evil and how to lead the people. If, you will ask, if, if, if he will listen, God will tell him what to do. But what's the requirement immediately after that? Obedience. God says, if I tell you what to do, do it. All right? You're asking me for instruction. Follow the instruction. If, if I have a problem with my car, the one that I don't mind working on, the old truck, I call Justin Saltzman. Hey, I got this going on with the, car, with the truck. What do I do? And if he says, you know, reach under the hood and on top of the thingamabobber is a, is a watchamadoodle and you need to twist that watchamadoodle until uh, the thingamabobber pops off and then pour blinker fluid in there. <laughs> then, then put the thingamabobber back on top and turn the watchamadoodle back and, and, and it'll be fine. And I go... Okay, sounds great. And I go to the truck and I rip the engine out. <laughs> I, I went to the source of wisdom for the problem. I asked what to do. He told me and I completely ignored it. Have I, have, have I lived the wisdom? Have I received the wisdom? Have I been obedient to the one who knew more about it? Than, no. God says, you've asked me for wisdom. I will give it to you. I will give you a receptive heart. You'll hear me when the time comes. But you have to obey me, Solomon. Otherwise, this is not going to work out. And at least for a moment, Solomon gets it. Verse 15, Solomon worships. He wakes up. He realizes it's been a dream. He goes to Jerusalem, stands before the Ark of the Lord's Covenant. He offers burnt offerings there and fellowship offerings had a feast, had a party. God has shown up and he has given me wisdom. I am going to be the leader and the follower of God I'm supposed to be as long as I obey. Now that's where it's going to get off the rails. We go back to the beginning of the passage and we see that worship leads to the right request. He has spent time with the Lord. He has worshiped the Lord. And then when the Lord shows up, Because he has spent time with the Lord, Solomon knows what to ask for when given the opportunity to ask. And then when he gets the gift, the reception of the gift leads to worship. If that were our church, if we began with worship and said, Lord, we worship you open-handed, no agenda, no requests, we are just coming to worship. To be with you. To give you what is due. That's all we want to do. I believe, I know God would show up. And he would give gifts. He would give us what we need. He would give us wisdom. For all the situations that come our way. And then we would turn around, I pray, and worship him worship would lead to the request and then the the gift would lead to worship let me put it a different way as i said at the beginning if we want god to act in our lives worship worship him see what he will do and when he does whatever it is he does worship him after If we'll get those two things on the end right, and work on that obedience there in the middle part, we don't have to worry about being God there in the middle part. He'll take care of all that. I think I have some some biblical evidence for that too, because now, number six, and finally, our church learns. Solomon worships, God offers. Solomon requests, Solomon worships, this morning our church learns. What are some verses? The first one, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You want wisdom? Fear the Lord. That's the beginning of it. I mean, I, I, I would, maybe a, a, a redneck way to put this is the smart thing to do is be scared of God first. I mean, that, that's the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom doesn't come when, or doesn't even, isn't even showing itself up when we come haughtily and pridefully before the Lord. Demanding that He do things for us because, I don't know, we think we're something. The fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom. That's, that's the worship that we see Solomon do. Why do we worship We worship the things that are bigger than us. And if God is bigger than us and and more powerful than us, then we should fear that. We should worry that it is only by his grace that he restrains himself to not wipe me out because I know who I am. And he knows who I am. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Jesus said, seek first The kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things will be added to you. Then you will get all the things you need. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. The kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. Jesus talked about it. He said, I've come to bring the kingdom. The kingdom of God is at hand. His whole purpose was introducing the kingdom to people who weren't a part of the kingdom. I very intentionally wore this t-shirt today. And a bunch of y'all wore it to help me. You didn't know it, but I appreciate it. Because Go Grow is just a, uh, 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 a dehydrated version shrunk down into two words of seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. We, we go... We seek the kingdom. We take the kingdom. If we are seeking the kingdom, we are sharing the kingdom. And we grow. His righteousness. The kingdom and His righteousness. Growing is our discipleship. Growing is what we do in here. We go and we grow. If we are doing that, if we are going and growing, if we are seeking the kingdom and His righteousness, if we are worshiping and looking for wisdom... God will give it. I asked at the beginning, if God asked you, ask, what do you want? What would you say? Well, Jesus knows who we are. And so he told us, if if that comes up, if you ever get that question, seek first The kingdom of God and his righteousness. Our request, the right request for our church, for us as individual believers, is always righteousness. What is the first thing we should pray for? Righteousness if we are praying that we will be individually as church members right with the Lord first and foremost before we pray for anything else we will always then pray for all the other right things we will ask for God to do the things that are according to his will and not according to our will we will always be seeking his kingdom if we are asking for our righteousness, if collectively we are asking for God's wisdom and His righteousness in our church, then our church will always be doing the things of His kingdom, doing the, the wise things. So I'll ask you one more time, but maybe a little differently. If God gave you what you are praying for right now, what would you get? I don't mean right this minute. I mean just the last thing you prayed for. If God gave you that, what would you get? And I'm asking primarily in terms of as a church. If God gave us what we were asking for, what would we get? More tithing members? A new pastor? <laughs> Or would we get personal and corporate righteousness? Would we have lost people being saved? If we're worshiping in spirit and truth, as Jesus told us to do. If we are seeking the Lord in all things. And, and, and making sure his desires are our desires. Our church would never have to worry about all the other things. Why? Because they will all be added to us. If we will just seek the wisdom of righteousness and the kingdom, God will provide Now, as I said, the Old Testament points, kings, points to Jesus. Our righteousness is fulfilled and found in Christ. We will never be truly righteous, but we have received, upon salvation by faith, we have received the righteousness of Jesus. Solomon would never be a truly righteous king. He would never always make the right decisions. He would always mess up because only Jesus would be the truly righteous king. That's the promise throughout the Old Testament. Your kings are going to mess up. They're going to mess up. They're going to mess up. But I will send a king in the line of David, and he will rule forever, and his throne will be pure, and his ways will be pure. Solomon would never be truly righteous. You will never be sinlessly righteous. Because our righteousness is found only in Jesus. You'll never effort your way out of sin. You'll never work your way out of sin. You'll never defeat that temptation, at least not without 30 more popping up over here. We trust in the righteousness of Jesus, we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Why? Because our kingdoms fail, and our righteousness fails. But Jesus never fails. His righteousness can be your righteousness. This morning, your request, your answer to God of what can I give you, what do you want, should be, if you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, Lord Jesus, save me. That's the only way you get to be righteous. That's the only way you get to understand his righteousness. That's the only way you get to seek God's righteousness is through Jesus Christ, through salvation by faith. Romans 6.23 tells us, the wages of sin is death. We will die because of our sinfulness. We are unrighteous. Like Solomon, we can say, I'm young and stupid. Except in this case, we're saying I'm... I'm young and a sinner, or I'm old and a sinner. I can't handle this. I, I, I can't. Solomon couldn't lead an unruly people. I can't lead an unruly me. And because of that, I will die in my sin, apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. The wages of sin is death. But God provides an answer, God provides a gift. The gift of God is eternal life. If God would ask us, I'm afraid we wouldn't be smart enough if he said, what do, you, what do you want? A Savior might not be our first answer. So God provided that gift without the question. We have the gift of the Savior. What will we do with the gift? The Holy Spirit, thankfully, empowers us works on our heart, when we would rebel, the Holy Spirit draws us and says, this is what you need. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what you need. Wisdom today would be trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. You want to make the right request today? Request salvation from God through Jesus. And you can do that by accepting that gift of salvation. Believing in your heart, in faith, that Christ Jesus has saved you. Admit that you're a sinner and turn from those. You have a next step to take today. As a believer, you'll have some next steps. As an unbeliever, someone who has never followed Jesus, you have a next step to take. Accept salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to be baptized. You can go ahead and change it, Pat. Uh, maybe you need to be baptized. You've trusted Jesus as Savior, but you've never followed in obedience. Right? Wisdom. Ask for the gift, but follow me in obedience. Receive salvation, but follow me in obedience. Maybe you need to conform your life to Christ. You've, 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 you know the answers, you just don't live the answers. What did he tell Solomon? If you walk in my ways and keep my statutes... Submit to God's plan and purpose. Join the church. You'd like to come forward this morning and say, I want to be a part of this congregation. Whatever it is, you can share your decision with us on a connection card. You can message us on uh, Facebook or uh, email us at the church. But now's your time to respond. God is, God's talking to you and saying to you. What do you want? What's your response? There is a right request this morning. His righteousness and his kingdom. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have given us the moral agency to choose you by the work of your Holy Spirit in our hearts. You've given us the opportunity. Some of us have had the opportunity to follow you over and over and over. And we have refused. And yet you still come and say, What do you want? Lord, I pray that this morning someone will follow you in obedience to salvation in Jesus Christ. Respond in faith. And Lord, as you ask our church, as you ask believers, What do you want? I pray that our response is your kingdom and your righteousness. That we would go and that we would grow. That God, you would work in our church individually and corporately. That we would be about your business. A righteous body of believers announcing the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Whatever that method is this summer, with so many things going on, leader treks and home Bible studies and Bible school and camps, God, that we never lose sight of the, the reason for all those. See, people come to Jesus. Lord, I pray this morning that we, every one of us, would make the right request. Lead us to that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what is the request you need to make? Let's stand. Let's sing. I'll be over here to my right. Amy will be to my left. If you'd like prayer, if you'd like to make something public this morning, to follow Jesus, to recommit to Jesus, to join our church, whatever it might be, now's your chance to do it. As we sing and we have this time of response, do business with God this morning.